0: last week on the sonic truth dynasty podcast
1: surreptitiously listening to someone else's conversation get a window into their life do you do that are you that creepy character you are aren't you i can the look on your face i can tell you're that guy and stay at home deshaun watson stay home
0: and i gotta agree with the take that uh jeff just had that's Carl, not Jeff. When I get on Twitter, if I see Jeff Miller tweet, I think Carl Safchik, and when I see Carl Safchik tweet, I think Jeff Miller. I don't know why that is.
1: I don't even know who Jeff Miller is. And I might have to edit that out. That might, was that offensive at all to cancer people? And I want to grab a Johnson. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show?
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me is Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. What's up, Matt?
1: Special edition of the Sonic Truth. Yes, post-draft. Recording three days early. We need to get the truth to the people.
0: <laughs> okay, let's, let's get it to them. This is a couple days after the draft here, so we finally have an ability to look at what happened. We're always behind the eight ball. We never we never have the information because we record too early, but... Behind the eight ball, you're hitting us with a cliche in <laughs> minute two of the show. We might be in the first minute still. I don't know. It was the tail end of it. But we have an opportunity to finally assess... These players, their landing spots, these depth charts, and kind of look back at what we saw during the college season and how we evaluated them, and now sort of put that together with where they landed in the draft capital and make some informed decisions for people that have fantasy football drafts that are coming up in the future. And today, uh, Matt and I talked, we're going to do a top 12 of the overall skill position so running back receiver tight end and uh there's probably going to be some debate in there pre-show we did a little chatting i'm pretty sure we're going to disagree on a couple things which is fine
1: because i think people have grown accustomed to that on this show no we never disagree (laughs) right spoiler alert dante foreman's not in my top 12 is that going to be a problem for you you want to play the loser game show sound right there
0: Yeah that that's I don't know yes and no we'll see we'll see top, you know it's top 12 there was a lot of guys that went in this draft uh, a lot of tight ends went in the first round Would
1: Dante Foreman be in your top 20 Oh my god yeah
0: yeah he's in my top 20 Come on man who's better Lamar Miller or Dante Foreman? I like Lamar Miller because I liked him a couple years ago and how he's played. I He didn't do
1: as well as people wanted him to. No, 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 no. Is, is it a, He didn't do as well as people wanted him to. That's really strong stuff, Nate. I'll give you the truth on Lamar Miller. He's a fake bell cow. That's what he is. And the Houston Texans were late in finding this out. They thought that Lamar Miller was a true bell cow when they signed him to the most lucrative free agent contract for a running back in 2016. Then the season happened. They went through training camp. They went through preseason. They went through the regular season. And they realized, oh, this fucking guy is absolutely not a bell cow back. He's not an every down player. He's not worth the money. So we're going to go ahead and draft Dante Foreman from Texas as his replacement. That's what happened to Lamar Miller. Well, this
0: is what we talked about a while ago and I was debating with you on it was that Miami was never using him. And you said the coaching staff in Miami knew that he wasn't a bell cow and that's why he was never given opportunity. However... After we've seen what he has done in, in Houston, they've drafted Deontay Foreman, a back who can really do everything, despite the fact that the college he can't profile do everything. He can't didn't do everything.
1: necessarily— no, He can't do everything. He can't catch passes. Yes, he can. I'm not going to have this debate right now. No, he can't. No, he can't catch passes. There's no evidence. There's no evidence oh. he can catch passes. There is. You can see it. You're making it up. Okay, again, Melvin Gordon didn't catch passes You're in college. You're in a dream right now. Do you understand that? You're not in reality. This is an Inception dreamscape that you are a part of at this very moment. You need to wake up, Nate. Wake up. Wake up! Have some bell that rings or some cue to get you to open your eyes and wake up and realize this isn't Inception, this is. Right now, this, right here, this, me, you, me, you, this, this, this. This is reality. And in reality, not in your dreamscape that you make up in your mind when you're asleep, Dante Foreman is not a pass catcher. Again, I'm always going to go back
0: to it just like Melvin Gordon wasn't a pass catcher in college. That's fine. That's fine. I've seen Dante Foreman catch the ball, and we watched him at his pro day, and you've read about him before. He has the ability to do it. Does he have the Jeremy McNichols? pass-catching ability? Does he have the Christian McCaffrey pass-catching ability? No, he does not. However, Deontay Foreman will be a good fit for the Houston Texans. feature size running back with shift and speed, and he'll be a nice fit for them as the first and second down type running back. First and second
1: down running back. I'm not a Dante Foreman enthusiast. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather have Dante Foreman than Lamar Miller, that's for sure, because we know what Lamar Miller is. Lamar Miller is a replacement-level runner. I would like to see what Dante Foreman can do. I think he can be a better early down pounder than Lamar Miller, and the Texans are still in need of a satellite back. Why not Jonathan Grimes or Tyler Irvin? I think they'd be better off deploying a committee with Foreman and Grimes or Foreman and Irvin and get Lamar Miller the hell out of there. I think Lamar Miller will stick around for a
0: little bit, but I do believe that Deontay Foreman early is going to cut into this workload. They already came out and said that they want him to spell Lamar Miller, which is obvious, where they took him, 89th pick in the draft in the third round.
1: Hell, I could spell Lamar Miller. L-A-M-A-R-M-I-L-L-E-R. Lamar Miller. <laughs> well done. Well done. That's uh... F A K E. B E L L C O W, fake bell cow.
0: <laughs> this episode has gone off the rails already, and we're like 15 minutes in.
1: This show has never been on the rails. Going back to episode one, we've never been on the rails. This has never been a hype train show. We only tell you the truth. We're not here to run out to best case scenario on every player like every other Dynasty show and every other NFL draft show. No. When Lamar Miller isn't good, we tell you he isn't good a year before anyone knows he isn't good. Well, there's going to be a lot
0: of debate today about things. I'm going to try and control myself. Matt's clearly not going to control himself. So why don't we start with the top 12. Let's see where we agree and disagree. And the listeners at home can tell us if we're absolute idiots or not. So number one overall.
1: Easy. What do you got? Slam dunk. So this is me. I'm dribbling. Right. I have the ball. I'm dribbling right. down the court. You know, I'm starting to stride now. I'm speeding up. You can see me speeding up. Oh, I'm starting to make some quick steps. I'm up in the air. Oh, it's a 360 windmill slam. Corey Davis 101. I'm flexing right now. I'm flexing <laughs> oh after slamming the ball home with Corey Davis at 101. He's so fucking good.
0: This has gone way crazy. So here's the deal. We, we actually just did a rookie draft. I was behind Matt with the 103. You were behind
1: Matt? It was behind
0: you in the draft order.
1: I would be behind you. <laughs> wow. If we were figuring out the proper position for each of us. This is unbelievable. So he's the
0: 102, I'm the 103. We watched Leonard Fournette go 101. And as you <laughs> can hear with the enthusiasm in Matt Kelly's voice, at 102... Auto-pick Corey Davis.
1: Auto-pick Corey Davis. If you're wondering why I am more enthusiastic than normal, it's because I just drafted Corey Davis in a dynasty League. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we agreed, Corey Davis. Uh, unbelievable college production. Drafted fifth overall by the Tennessee Titans. Couldn't be a better fit.
1: Couldn't be a better fit. Impossible. You can't build a better fit in fiction. If we were a best-selling author, who are the best-selling authors of all time? Stephen King, Daniel Steele, if we were a combination of, if we were a writing duo, you and I, of Daniel Steele and Stephen King, and we wrote the best book we could do together, we could not craft a better landing spot for Corey Davis, a better situation for fantasy football than Corey Davis going to the Tennessee Titans. Pinch me, Nate. Pinch me right now. My nipples are exposed. Pinch them. Oh my God.
0: And what's amazing is Corey Davis, he doesn't test it all. He turned <laughs> in film to all thirty-two teams. That
1: <laughs> tickles, dude. That tickles.
0: There there was belief that Corey Davis was sliding. There was belief that teams weren't as interested in Corey Davis as Tennessee Titans ended up being. And obviously, if Corey Davis would have slipped past five, you gotta believe that the San Diego Chargers would have taken him at seven. We'll come back and talk about that a
1: little bit. you want to know why there was no buzz about Corey Davis during the pre-draft process? Because they all loved him. Because everybody wanted Corey Davis. This is why the NFL insider as a profession is the most useless profession in our society. Because the only thing they get leaked are things teams want to leak that are anything but the truth. This is why Mel Kuyper's mock draft is an abomination it is the absolute heights of inaccuracy. Nothing in this world is less accurate than a Mel Kuyper mock draft. A Rick <laughs> and Keel fastball oh is more accurate than a Mel Kuyper mock draft. Huh. I mean, he's embarrassing. I understand he created this profession called NFL draft analyst, which I now am. Thank you, Yahoo Sports. Yeah, yeah. So, and thank you to Mel Kuyper. Without him, I wouldn't be here today. Well, I would be here today. I actually, without him, I'd be fine. But without him, I wouldn't have the upside as an analyst that I have now. So, thank you to Mel Kuyper. But Mel Kuyper is starting to lose his edge. We'll just say that. I think everyone at home can see it watching these ESPN broadcasts. Yeah, I think people are tired
0: of Mel Kuyper, for sure. I like
1: Todd McShay,
0: to a point. You like
1: Todd McShay? I've never heard that tumble from the lips of a human being. (laughs) I don't mind Todd McShay that much. Say it again. Just say it again. i got to get this on the record. I might have talked over you. I might have misheard you. Just say it again. I like Todd McShay. One more time. Just say it so we have it, just to make sure, just in case the software crashes. I I like Todd McShay. There it is. That's a first. We're making history here. What, What I did
0: like was hearing these guys talking about how Mike Mayock was at almost every pro day, and he was doing the work out there, and you don't know that about you know, Kuiper and Todd McShay. I don't mind Todd McShay as an analyst or just, you know, conversationally. But, you know, some of the takes and whatnot aren't always great. But these guys are the big board
1: guys. Back to Corey Davis. Interesting story about Bill Belichick. So the Patriots early in Bill Belichick's career were considering Richard Seymour. And do you remember the Michigan wide receiver, David Tyrell? I remember the name. Well, throughout the pre-draft process... All of the NFL draft analysts were speculating that the Patriots were going to draft David Tyrell because it was thought to be a need. Remember, they only had Troy Brown at wide receiver at one point. So it was assumed the Patriots were going to take David Tyrell. And then they were later burned by David Tyree. So story. another story. (laughs) That's good. And Bill Belichick knew this and he knew there was no way the Patriots were going to draft David Tyrell. They were locked into Richard Seymour. And the scouts were all in a room together at one point a few days before the draft after they had returned from their pro day assignments. And he walks into the room, closes the door, walks to the middle of the table and says, listen to me. And everyone turned to him and he said, if any of you fucks say the name Richard Seymour to anyone outside this room, you're fired. And he walked out of the room. Because he wanted everyone to believe the Patriots were going to select David Tyrell. And the idea that anyone in an NFL organization is leaking the preferences of their team to the NFL draft media complex is the heights of absurdity. But no, continue to follow all of your NFL draft insiders. Go ahead. Continue to waste your brain cells reading their useless tweets. That was that was depressing right there. But I love Bill Belichick and I That was depressing. That was a great story about Richard Seymour. No, that What's was a depressing great story. is the existence of these parasites that add no value to society called the NFL draft insider. It's entertainment. They make mock drafts and then everybody bitches about it. It's not entertaining. It's useless.
0: All right, let's move on. We're only at the 101 right now, so we're
1: moving to the 102. Wait, no, we haven't even explained why Corey Davis is such an incredible fit because Marcus Mariota needs to see throws before he makes them. He's not the type of quarterback that throws wide receivers open. That's Jameis Winston. We talked about Corey Davis on the Buccaneers, not a great fit, but Corey Davis, the precision route runner that is Corey Davis on the Tennessee Titans, is a hand-in-glove fit with Marcus Mariota, and the Tennessee Titans don't have an X receiver. They have no X receiver. They have a flanker in Richard Matthews, who's an above-average flanker, we would all agree, and that's it. That's the talent pool of their wide receiver core. A gaping hole at X receiver, and Corey Davis comes in and will fill that gap Better than any wide receiver in this class. He's the best wide receiver prospect we've seen since Amari Cooper. So the Tennessee Titans win. Fantasy Gamers win. Marcus Mariota wins. We all win, baby. Yeah, I, there's there's
0: nothing that can really be added to that. It's exactly right. And they added Taewon Taylor also in the third round, an explosive receiver. We'll talk about him later. We'll talk about him later. We will get to him. We're going to talk about him
1: later. All right. I want to talk about him later.
0: We hit the 101. We're good there. Auto pick, Corey Davis. Auto No pick. doubt. Unanimous. Okay. 102, Matt. Who's 102? Another auto pick, Christian McCaffrey. Do you agree? I do agree. Christian McCaffrey was
1: a definite pick for the second selection. But, 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 Nate, I heard that Cam Newton doesn't check it down that the Panthers throw to the running back less than any other team in the league. That's a real tendency. That has nothing to do with the fact that their satellite back was Fozzie Whitaker. Yeah, I I know. I've heard this, and I've
0: had people tweet to me about this because I really liked where Christian McCaffrey went. I mean, number
1: one, Christian McCaffrey does everything. Those people are confusing cause and effect. They think that NFL teams distribute targets based on some fixed tendency from the past. That's not how it works. This is classic... Fantasy Gamer overanalysis. Fantasy football is nothing if not rife with overanalysis. We have 700 analysts with 700 spreadsheets giving us all the charts and trends that we will ever need for a lifetime, and none of it helps because they're telling us to stay away from Christian McCaffrey because of the Carolina Panthers tendencies before Christian McCaffrey arrived, which is completely irrelevant also if you believe that the quote-unquote running quarterback doesn't ever throw to the running back well I would tell you that many of the running quarterbacks around the league don't have great satellite backs that that's actually the problem if we're trying to find the actual cause that explains the effect the problem for Russell Wilson last season was not that he doesn't like to check it down it's that his running back was Thomas Rawls and Christian Michael who can't catch The problem for Cam Newton was that his satellite back, a guy named Fuzzy. (laughs) So please open up your spreadsheet with your target distribution tendencies and click the delete button after Christian McCaffrey is drafted to the Carolina Panthers.
0: And that's the other point um, that you made. You know, you talk about the tendencies of Carolina. Well, Carolina never had a Christian McCaffrey, so they never had the ability to
1: do what he's going to add. This is the catch-22 problem, the overanalysis. It's Christian McCaffrey. You don't need to overthink this one, please. I mean, fantasy football leads the world as an industry in overthinking. Right. And Christian McCaffrey,
0: obviously by now everybody's well aware, flashed elite level athleticism. Elite. The best in class. Incredible short area ability, which is gonna save his bacon when he gets to Carolina. What? And wait, what is that? Why did you say that? Why did you say that? So I just try to throw a cliche in there. I am trying to stay on him. It's been like twenty minutes and I haven't used one.
1: No 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 no. That's not how this works. You don't throw in cliches on purpose to play a character that you think I want you to play. I don't want you doing that. Never do that. That was obvious that you were acting there and throwing in a cliche Uh. for effect. Never do that. The listeners of this show deserve better. When you give us cliches, it needs to come from the heart. The most important thing that we do on this show is maintain our authenticity. The moment you're inauthentic, we're done. Also, Christian McCaffrey's agility score, just so you know, 1079. 97th percentile his burst score if you're interested his vertical jump and his broad jump on playerprofile.com mixed together into one equally weighted metric 124.3 78th percentile and the Carolina coaches have said that they believe Christian McCaffrey is the best between the tackles runner since Curtis Martin I mean that's a ridiculous statement that doesn't make any sense yeah. the best way to use Christian McCaffrey is not to pound him between the tackles like Curtis Martin That's just foolish. The way to use Christian McCaffrey is to deploy him all over the field, to keep him in there in the two-minute drill, hurry up offense, passing situations, and to rotate him in with another back to ensure that he gets 150 carries and 100 targets. All we're looking for in fantasy is for him to get 150 carries and 100 targets. If he can get 150 carries and 100 targets, he will be an RB1 in fantasy, and that's all we need. He is the highest floor, highest ceiling running back in fantasy. It's an easy pick if you're the second pick in the draft. You go Christian McCaffrey.
0: Yeah, and it's like you said. You brought up a great point, and I've seen some um, analysts online talking about this, but you know, Jonathan Stewart's obviously getting older, not quite as productive as he once was, and never... Was as productive as expected. But if you have Jonathan Stewart and Christian McCaffrey on the field at the same time and you split Christian McCaffrey out wide, the dynamic that you create is going to be unbelievable with Christian McCaffrey's open field abilities. We've already talked about it. He runs like a season wide receiver out there. So good luck. Good luck. <laughs> or a safety or a <laughs> right? linebacker because if he gets matched up on a linebacker, it's
1: over. It's over. It's over. It's RIP over. linebacker. Six feet under.
0: Right, so Christian McCaffrey write it in, auto-lock 102. Right, throw
1: dirt on him. All right, so let's move on. 103. No, I have something else to say about the Carolina Panthers. Okay. Drafting Curtis Samuel in the second round after you already have Christian McCaffrey on the roster was the second most idiotic draft pick of this draft. We'll get to why Mike Williams was the epic blunder of the draft. But Curtis Samuel wasn't far off. Because Curtis Samuel is redundant with Christian McCaffrey. The best thing that can happen to Curtis Samuel is for him to go to a team and play slot receiver and then have the option of sliding to running back if it doesn't work out. Because I agree that he has Percy Harvin, Randall Cobb upside at slot receiver, but I also think that's a long shot. I think the probabilities are slim that he is that guy. But what's nice about drafting Curtis Samuel is you draft him thinking maybe he can reach his ceiling as a wide receiver. And then if he doesn't, you can pull that ripcord and slide him over to running back where there's a higher probability that he is a contributor right away at running back because he played it at Ohio State. 7.9 yards per carry was the highest among Power 5 conference schools. So he had the best yards per carry among Power 5 conference running backs when he played running back at Ohio State. So he would be a much more explosive Theo Riddick, a fast... Ty Montgomery if he ever slid to running back. The problem with the Carolina Panthers drafting him is you remove the safety cord. They're jumping out of an airplane without a backup parachute. If wide receiver doesn't work out for him, he has no use on a team that already has Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that was an awful pick. That was Dave Gettleman just doing what Dave Gettleman does. And every time the Carolina Panthers do this, where they take one of these redundant assets, like when they drafted Devin Funches, when they already had Kelvin Benjamin, I always say Gettleman, gonna Gettleman, because that's what he does. He is the best in the NFL at drafting redundant assets that can't help you. I will say this um, about Curtis Samuel.
0: We talked about it a couple weeks back, and I brought this up with Fusu Vu. The thing about Curtis Samuel is he played a ton out of the read option as a running back. So at least. And I agree with your point. It makes him a less skilled, redundant asset behind Christian McCaffrey, but at least he went to a team that can utilize his abilities to the best of their potential. If he had gone to a team where he started deep in the backfield. You're right about
1: that. Carolina Panthers had a glaring need at slot receiver. I agree with you. Right, and so—
0: He's, he's a good athlete. It, the question is, is he going to pan out as a wide receiver? He didn't do it that much in college. I thought he'd be a better receiver than running back. However, when you put him on a team that does the read option, if McCaffrey wasn't there, there'd be a little bit more to like about
1: him. He could go outside. A lot more to like about him. It'd be very interesting. If you're going to take Curtis Samuel in the second round, why don't you take Marshawn Lattimore in the first round, an elite Corner, what I would consider a top three player in this class, the Miles Garrett of the defensive backs. You lost Josh Norman. You gave up 300 yards to Julio Jones. They needed Marshawn Lattimore more than they needed even Christian McCaffrey, knowing you can get Curtis Samuel in the second round or Carlos Henderson in the third round or even wait till the end of the draft and get Isaiah Ford, Chad Hansen, Isaiah Ford. You can always find productive slot receivers at every round of the NFL draft. Why not optimize your roster, the talent configuration of your roster, by taking an elite defender in the top 10 and then worrying about filling out your skill position players later in the draft? Because why? Because Dave Gettleman. Because Gettleman gonna Gettleman. <laughs> it's gonna make for a very, very interesting season watching what happens in Carolina. They've struggled. That's what Dave Gettleman was trying to do. He was thinking in his office. I could see him. He was thinking as he was writing notes in his office. You can see him pondering in his office. How can I make my team the most interesting for fantasy footballers? That's my goal here. That's what I'm going to do. Fantasy footballers are going to love this team. They're going to think it's so interesting. That's what we'll do going into this draft. I got my plan. My plan of action is in place. (laughs) I figured out what, we're gonna do in Carolina
0: erase the the dry erase board and just put down the names Christian McCaffrey Curtis Samuel just give me all the small slot guys quick guys no it'll be interesting to see what they do I mean Ted Ginn is no longer there so there was a need for a deep threat Curtis Samuel's got long speed it'll be interesting to see how they utilize the two but I don't think anybody disagrees that drafting Curtis Samuel at pick 40 (gasps) was a was a definite mistake definite mistake
1: just weird I mean, people do weird things man they do weird things I don't understand it they do weird things and then we sit in front of these microphones and we tear them to pieces because that's our job
0: I almost would have rather seen Curtis Samuel go to say Tennessee where he could have come into the backfield and done a little bit behind maybe the future running back Derek Henry and split outside at least there with a read option quarterback the ability to do so that would have been a great fit granted they would have had to taken him high but that's kind of where I would have liked to have seen him but where he went was definitely depressing and like you said it's a great point you've
1: got him as a redundant asset I want Curtis Samuel in Buffalo Curtis Samuel paired with Tyrod Taylor on a team that didn't have a slot receiver outside of Walt Powell and didn't have a number two running back? I mean, that's where ideally Curtis Samuel would have landed. Oh, well, Matt yeah. Kelly is not the general manager of all 32 teams. Otherwise, they would all be better off. <laughs> Well, don't worry. The Buffalo
0: Bills drafted
1: their wide receiver one. All right, let's
0: move on to the fourth player in this draft. Why do you got to ruin the show?
1: Why? Can we talk about the 104? Zay Jones, you're trying to ruin the show. I know you're doing that. I heard you earlier with the contrived cliche. Now you're trying to ruin the show with Zay Jones talk. And you claim to not want to get into the whole foreman discussion earlier. You're such a fraud.
0: Oh, well, I'm glad I came on tonight. All right, so 104, let's move on. We both agree, at least to this point, Matt and I are in agreement with the 104, and that is... This guy's just chuckling over here. So that is Joe Mixon, drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> <just> compose yourself. <laughs> Pick number 48 in the second round. It was so
1: hard to call you a fraud with such a straight face. Uh, you did it so well, though. I did. You did it well. Yeah, it just it's like I'd done it before. <laughs> God. All right, so
0: Joe Mixon, pick number 48 in the second round. Obviously, he slid due to character concerns, legitimate. They're not even concerns, right? We've already talked about this. Let's not. Can we not talk about this right now? Can we not? Not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. But I do want to say that the Cincinnati Bengals got a steal here, right? A lot of analysts of say top 15 talent. Yes. Yeah. We thought that round.
1: he is arguably the only first-round talent at the running back position. I would also put Christian McCaffrey in there. But I think if I'm an NFL team and I wanted the most talented running back for every down, every distance, every situation, it would be Joe Mixon. It wouldn't be Christian McCaffrey. So absolutely, if you can get Joe Mixon in the second round, that's incredible value. The problem I have with Joe Mixon is he went to a team that has a great offensive line brand that no longer has a good offensive line because the Bengals had those consecutive seasons with a top five run blocking unit. They're perceived to be a great place to run the ball. They're perceived to be a great running team and they're not. Since Hugh Jackson, they're no longer a great running team. In fact, their offensive line was in the bottom half of the league last year. And that's why you saw Jeremy Hill's production suffer. So on a team where Andy Dalton's your quarterback and you're not run blocking efficiently, I'm no longer as excited about Joe Mixon as I would have been if he landed on Oakland or a team with a good offensive line and a better quarterback. So it's not awful. It could have been worse. He could have landed in Minnesota. Ew but he's not a top three guy for me. I'd rather have Fournette. That's why I have Fournette at three and then I have Mixon at four. I have Fournette at three because Fournette is absolutely an every down workhorse. You know his college target share in his final year when he was getting two receptions per game in a low volume offense was 80th percentile. He is absolutely an adequate receiver out of the backfield. Unlike Dante Foreman, for whom we have no evidence that he's a good receiver. In Leonard Fournette, we do have evidence that he's a good receiver. So I think he's an all-purpose, all-terrain talent. I just don't believe that Jacksonville is a good landing spot. That's a team with a bad quarterback and a bad offensive line. You don't want to land on one of these black hole running games. That's Minnesota. That's Jacksonville. Stay away from these teams with the bad quarterbacks and the bad offensive lines and the bad coaching staff. Tom Coughlin... So Leonard Fournette is technically set up to fail in Jacksonville, but because his role is going to be so voluminous in his rookie year, I can't help but draft Leonard Fournette in the top three in rookie drafts. In fact, I'm in another draft that also has some veterans dispersed, and because there were a handful of veterans picked in the top picks, I was able to get Leonard Fournette at pick seven. So I drafted Leonard Fournette. Wow. I like him. I don't hate him. I just hate the landing spot because you don't have that many red zone carries when Blake Bortles is your quarterback and your coach wants to be a run first, defense first, slow the ball down, be the New York Knicks of the NFL. That's not... Where you want to be as a running back in today's NFL.
0: When you're drafted with the fourth pick overall, there's a ton of insulation built into that for your value. Now, I, I realize that we're talking about ownership and production based on that. You want the guy that's going to produce. You don't want the guy that pulls a, a Todd Gurley, and that's who I'm going to compare him to. A guy who came in, had a good first year on volume, did well, O-line wasn't great, coaching staff wasn't great, quarterback, pass game wasn't great, and from there, you didn't see the production. However, Todd Gurley Todd Gurley's not being supplanted. Todd Gurley's not losing his starting job. He's maintained value. So with Leonard Fournette, I think people will still be apologetic. Unless Leonard Fournette proves that he just cannot play in the NFL.
1: He can play in the NFL. He has a 96th percentile speed score. I think he's more similar to Melvin Gordon. I think he's going to come into the league. He could have a Melvin Gordon rookie year. sure. A Le'Veon Bell rookie year. Just lackluster production and efficiency across the board. And it won't matter in 2018. They're not going to draft a running back. And they're going to pencil him in as their primary ball carrier in 2018. And it's just not going to matter. That's the insulation that you're talking about. That's why he has to be a top three pick. Even if you love Joe Mixon. Even if you love the landing spot for Marlon Mack. Let's say you do love, for whatever reason, Mike Williams. There's no scenario that you can weave that would push Leonard Fournette out of the top three. Can't do it.
0: Right, and I apologize. I skipped right to 104. I didn't even do 103, so I'm glad that you came back to Leonard Fournette. Well, this is why I'm on the show.
1: I'm on the right. show Accountability. to be the guiding hand behind the scenes... And to ensure that we're talking about all the players we need to talk about and that you're not hitting us with contrived cliches as you try to play a caricature of yourself instead of just being yourself. Just be yourself. That's what's really cool. That's what people want. (laughs) They don't want nate Liss trying to play Nate-less on the radio. That's not it. Okay, I appreciate you telling me that being myself is really cool. I appreciate
0: that. So, okay, yes, Leonard Fournette, bad situation, ton of insulation. I don't think that you should overthink it at all at 103. There's a lot of narratives that have been pinned against Fournette, but
1: at 103, he also feels like a lock for that pick. So, Yeah, and I love the rhyming too. Bad situation, but he's got insulation. Yo, 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 Leonard <laughs> Fournette, guess. he's my 103. This Bird. has never
0: come up before. I kind of have a background in this, so it's not surprising. What? All right. What? Oh, we're going to do this right now. Do what? This is, your, this is your open door to the conversation. What's the open door? That I've got years of, of rap in my background. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <sighs> <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. I, uh, I rapped for about 13 years. Yeah. For Santa around Christmas time? No, man. Hip-hop. I was definitely deep into it uh, from junior high school and quite a ways beyond that. Went to school for audio
1: engineering. You're a hip-hop rapper? Uh, I was. I was a rapper. So. Wow, man. Eminem could do it. Yeah, man. Anybody can do it. We're, we're out there. This is the era that we're in now. We have the white running back in Christian McCaffrey. We have the white rapper. In Eminem. Anything's possible, man. You could hit us with a rap right now.
0: I think Eminem was about 20 years ago, but <laughs> nonetheless, that's fine. I'm not hitting you with a rap right now. We should wrap up this conversation. Are we going to go to 104? Look at
1: you. You're smooth. Wrap up this conversation with that nice little segue. You want to talk about mixing a little more? Or do you want to go to the fifth
0: player overall here? Not even a little freestyle? I'm not going to kick a freestyle right now. I, I haven't freest. Look, I'm a father now, man. I've, I've put the microphone away. I've put the Wait, uh, you, think, you
1: think rapping is irresponsible. I've put away you're my an triple XL. parent If you don't rap, if you rap, yeah. that means you're an irresponsible parent. What are you talking about?
0: No, I'm just saying I'm a father now. My responsibilities have changed, which means that uh, I'm rusty when it comes to the freestyling. Is that something you lose without practice? You can't summon it. Because you, you get used to stringing words together and phrases and multisyllables and stuff like that. Look, polysyllabic, a, a triple XL white T-shirt and my backwards cap. I'll bust a freestyle right now. But go ahead. I think for the sake of the listeners, maybe we should cruise to the fifth pick in this.
1: Answer this, audience. Contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter. Email us rotounderworld at gmail.com. Is Nate Liss a rapper? Do you think he is? I'm not sure. I apologized earlier for insinuating that you were a fraud, but now, I mean, this is far-fetched, what you're saying.
0: There's there's plenty of audio evidence in existence of this. Hundreds of songs, some would say. Hundreds? Can we play one right now? Maybe I'll send you something. I've got some stuff. Do you have
1: a 20-second clip? I can send you a 20 second clip after this show. Okay, so we'll punch in a 20 second clip of oh Nate List rapping. Do you have any raps about NFL draft prospects?
0: <laughs> no, no, I never, I never got the uh, athletics into it too much. It's generally just, you know, it, it's you'll see. I'll find some stuff. I'll give you something, and people can hear that this is not, uh, this isn't fake. This is real. I spent a lot of time
1: doing it, and uh, do you have any raps about arguing with Carl Savchik on Twitter? <laughs> God, no,
0: no. I Carl Safchik, uh, believe it or not, never came up once when I was 17 writing raps. So we uh, we never crossed paths back then. All right, look,
1: Try to talk about these football players, but all Safchik wants to do is talk about Trump. I'm the guy want to talk about Zay Jones. I'm gonna have to give him a lump. Oh my God, your your your
0: mic presence, as it's referred to in the industry, <laughs> it sounds it sounds like you haven't done this before. So, okay, I'm guiding, I'm turning the ship here. Let's go back. Let's get on track. 105, people may disagree at this point. Samaj P Ryan to the Washington Redskins. Fourth round pick. I asked Carl about Samaj P Ryan. Yo, he was stumped. I don't even, what is going on now? It's not even rhyming. It's just. I'm staying with the, the
1: Trump stump. Oh, I see. You're, st- you're still rhyming off of Trump. I got it. We don't have a good flow because you refuse to rap for us live. You refuse to freestyle. Oh.
0: Look, I, I'm not gonna freestyle live. Like I said, it's been too long since my roots were uh, planted in the in the world of hip hop. I used to go to shows. I even battle rapped on stage. What? i performed on stage. This is all this is all true. This is all facts. Nate Rabbit. I'm <laughs> Nate Rabbit. Like I do my own thing now. Look, I I had a I had a little uh, a little stint, if you will. About a third of my life was uh, dedicated to it. So, anyways. It's, I'll give you a clip. The people can hear it. They'll love it. They'll see I really did it.
1: You know, my wife babysat Mac Miller. Really? When he was a toddler. That's right.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that. Nice.
1: Yeah. She did not babysit Samaj P. Ryan. No, we
0: we need to get back to Samaj P. Ryan, though. So, okay, Samaj P. Ryan, number five overall. I'm sure at this point, some people are probably saying, what about Dalvin Cook?
1: Situation, baby. We need running backs. We talked about the fact that you need to draft running backs in your rookie draft. They're harder to come by now with NFL quarterbacks spreading the ball out to so many wide receivers. Reliable, productive running backs are very rare, and Samaj P. Ryan is that. Do you really think Rob Kelly is the answer in Washington? No. They drafted Samaj P. Ryan to be their primary ball carrier, and I think he can win in all phases. And this is a team that has a prolific offense, and it's not like they're. Offensive line was horrible. It's just that their running backs were either incompetent in the form of Matt Jones or lacked any burst whatsoever in Rob Kelly. Samaje Piron is absolutely an upgrade over Rob Kelly and Matt Jones. I think he'll secure the primary ball carrier role in the preseason, and then he is going to be getting... A lot of red zone carries for a team that is in the red zone very, very frequently. That's what you want in fantasy football. You want running backs to score touchdowns. Am I wrong? That's why Samaj P. Ryan is now in the top five. Yeah, and
0: it's a good time to be joining the Washington Redskins. They've made a lot of upgrades to the receiving core. You've got Kirk Cousins, who's coming off another good year. You've got Chris Thompson behind you. Um You know, and the Washington Redskins are a team that's never afraid to sort of elevate the next best back on the team. I mean, all the way back to when Alfred Morris sort of came on the scene. And and he did really well. He maintained his job, but you've seen it over the past few years. The sort of the next guy, the next guy. Well, Samashe Ryan is really the most talented of the past few guys that have been given an opportunity. So there's definitely something to be had here. I mean, even Rob Kelly got 168 carries last year, and it, it's pretty safe to say that he'll be the number two back behind Samajay Ryan come week one, and then you've got Chris Thompson, who will you know,
1: inevitably filter in as a third down back or spell back. In our patrons-only league, go to patreon.com, search Podfather to join the patron program, and maybe one day be part of a listener league that includes Nate and or myself in this league with listeners Samaje Piran went at number seven. This was before this show dropped, so our listeners get it. Our listeners are so tuned in, they know what we're going to say before we say it. And that's what you see with Samaje Piran going at slot seven in a rookie draft. I'm enjoying this league that we're in. I'm also enjoying connecting with all of the owners and having conversations, these group chats that we're having on the Mazy app. Are you? Oh yeah.
0: And the Mazy app's been great. Um, I got multiple dynasty leagues that are functioning across it right now. And uh, what's been really cool about it is, is the ability to put files out there to put pictures out there and easily reference them. in a lot of my other dynasty chats Someone would post a picture with, say, someone's roster or something that you wanted to reference back to. It was borderline impossible to find it. You'd have to scroll up, you know, a million pages. Maybe it was gone. The really cool thing about the Maisy app is that 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 is all accessible. You can go to the app. It gives you notifications when you've missed messages. It'll tell you how many. You can click it. You can see just the new stuff. You don't have to filter through things. It's very functional, great app. I'm using it in all my dynasty leagues. I'm using it in the patrons league. And it's really great to connect with all these people like you're saying. And the app works
1: perfectly for all of us. And you don't need an email address even. You just need a code to join these chat rooms so it's super secure. There's no personal information exchanged. It's just the most convenient online chat tool I've ever used. And that's why we talk about it so much on this show. It used to be called Local. And they've changed the name to Maisie. One of the reasons why they wanted to rebrand is because they've been so successful in the fantasy football industry. They've launched an entire vertical just for fantasy football. Just a collaboration app for fantasy football. We love it. And the next guy I have on my list is the one. It's the only. You know what I'm going to say. Oh God. Wait for it. Put your hands together. Jeremy McNichol!
0: This is where there's going to be a little bit of deviation between your rank and my rank. I, I really do love where Jeremy McNichols landed, but as a fifth round... Pro- ideal. It is ideal, it doesn't get but get a fifth round prospect, that's definitely not the
1: best place to land in terms of opportunity share now he has the so you're just going on draft capital you're saying fifth round pick is the equivalent of a death sentence for a prospect like Uh, Jay Ajayi for example
0: sure or the 90 other people before him I I agree though that I like Jeremy McNichols' skill set especially in a place like this where they like to utilize their feature back as a receiver. They've done it in the past. They do have Charles Sims there. Charles Sims has been okay. Doug Martin hasn't really done anything since his rookie year. Doug Farton? Doug Farton. I saw that. I was like, is that a typo, or is that the most
1: hilarious tweet I've ever read? It was the most hilarious tweet you've ever read, and Doug Martin's coming off a pretty incredible season in 2015, second in the league in rushing yards before he face-planted yet again in 2016. Three of the last four seasons have been wholly uninspiring for Doug Martin owners. Doug Martin has missed his ADP expectation significantly in three of the last four seasons. He looks like an NFL bust at this point in his career, and now he's suspended. So what is he? To me, Doug Martin is irrelevant. Charles Sims is a satellite back. But Charles Sims is not as good out of the backfield catching passes as Jeremy McNichols. So now he's redundant with Jeremy McNichols' skill set, and he's not nearly the quality between the tackles runner that Jeremy McNichols is. So I don't see Doug Martin as a threat. I don't see Jaquiz Rogers as a threat because McNichols is far superior in terms of athleticism. And I don't see Charles Sims as a threat because I think McNichols is a better pass catcher. I think that Jeremy McNichols is better than all the other running backs on that running back depth chart in every phase by a relatively wide margin. So I don't see why he can't seize the every down back role for one of the most potent offenses in the NFL as the primary back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is the ideal landing spot to unlock Jeremy McNichols potential in the NFL. He's absolutely a first round pick in dynasty rookie drafts. And if you're not drafting him in the first round, you're doing it wrong.
0: Yeah, and I do like where Jeremy McNichols landed, but this is where we deviate. You brought up the fact that I was bringing up draft capital as opportunity share. But the reason I do is because we've got Dalvin Cook on the board still at this point. And I realize any of the concerns that come with being in Minnesota,
1: but he's rather have Dalvin Cook next on the list. I actually have Marlon Mack next on the list after Jeremy McNichols. Right. This because is where our Marlon deviation. Mack landed in an incredible situation as well in Indianapolis. Frank Gore is not going to finish the season on the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Gore will wash out at some point during this season. He will be cut, and he will not be on the roster in December because he's 34 years old. He's been an extreme outlier, producing 1,000-yard seasons at that age the last few years, and that simply cannot continue into perpetuity. This is the year that Frank Gore finally relents And cedes his primary back role to Marlon Mack, who we had as a top 10 running back before he landed on Indianapolis. I had Dalvin Cook as my number four running back in this class, and I had Marlon Mack as my number six running back in this class, and I just simply flipped them. It was that easy because one landed in Minnesota with the worst offensive line in football and Sam Bradford at quarterback. Very few red zone looks for Dalvin Cook in the years ahead. There will be lots of red zone looks for Marlon Mack in the years ahead.
0: Yeah, but this is this is where the debate comes in, because there's a difference in the overall talent level of these running backs. You can't just go to a place. What? You can't just go to a
1: place. Marlon Mack is incredibly talented. His best comparable player on playerprofiler.com is Todd Gurley. His next best comparable player is Melvin Gordon. That's a player with lots of talent. That's fine, and I'm not disagreeing with the comps that
0: PlayerProfiler.com has. What I'm saying is Dalvin Cook is one of the most talented backs we've seen in a while. His agility score and off-field issues are the two things that
1: people are holding against him. He's a fantastic running back. His college production was outstanding. He was efficient in the face of huge volume, 80th percentile dominator rating, so he accounted for a huge percentage of Florida State's offense. Also, he has that yards per carry, 6.8 yards per carry, <gasps> also close to 90th percentile and 90th percentile college target share. That's what happens when you catch 79 passes the last two seasons. But for every green check mark on the Dalvin Cook profile, there's also a red X on his profile, 10th percentile burst, below the 10th percentile agility score. So he failed every event at the Combine with the exception of the 40 and the bench press. That's before we start talking about behavioral issues away from football. That's before we start talking about his fumbling issues. No player fumbled more than Dalvin Cook in college football in 2016. He is the conundrum player of the conundrum players. I think in my entire time analyzing fantasy football, I've never seen a more difficult prospect to evaluate Than Dalvin Cook, he's either in the 90th percentile or the 10th percentile. There's no in-between. He's either a colossal bust or he's an all-pro. I don't know what he is. He's a boom-bust, high-ceiling, low-floor player who landed in a very bad situation, Nate. That's not who I'm investing an early rookie round draft pick on. I'm just not. Marlon Mack is safer. He doesn't have the skills
0: that Dalvin Cook has. And if we want to talk about the agility, that's fine. But nobody can explain to me why Dalvin Cook's agility score is what it is. And then you watch the film and you can't explain how he moves like he does. That's the thing about Dalvin Cook that really every time we have no, this his debate,
1: ceiling is Devonte Freeman slash Tevin Coleman. If you put Devonte Freeman and Tevin Coleman in a chamber and merge their abilities, it's conceivable that out would walk. Dalvin cook that's his upside I don't dispute that my problem is when you're on a team with wide running lanes your lack of agility doesn't hurt you much because you can take advantage of your speed if you're on a team that does not open wide running lanes that has frequent backfield penetration you need that lateral quickness and that's something that Dalvin cook does not have I think the lack of lateral quickness and the fumbling issues are going to haunt him in Minnesota in a way they would not have haunted him on Oakland I don't know that I can advise anybody to take
0: Marlon Mack over Dalvin Cook purely based on the situation. Situations change. Here's the – but Marlon Mack was incredibly productive and athletic in the American Conference. That's fine. Here's the thing, though. It's like mm. setting down. Uh, you know, that's the same conference that East Carolina plays in, right? That's fine. Are we gonna? I know, and we always talk about the conference. That's fine. I, I'm not debating the conference with Zay Jones. I never said that he didn't play in that conference. I get that. I'm just saying that it's like setting an hourglass down. And you're pointing out that the situation in Minnesota is not great. If the Minnesota situation was great, then we'd love
1: Dalvin Cook or you love Dalvin Cook. A lot more, yes, because then his ceiling and his floor are much higher. But he's set up to fail just like Leonard Fournette set up to fail in Minnesota. It's just that in Minnesota, he's also not guaranteed every down touches because they have Jarek McKinnon in the passing game and they have Latavius Murray in short yardage situations. Are we going to bring up McKinnon again? Well, McKinnon's a better satellite back than Dalvin Cook. Well, let's Absolutely. let Dalvin Cook play in the NFL first before we say that. Here's the thing, though. No, the well, our jobs the- is to come out with confident positions and opinions. It's not to say, oh, well, just got to shrug our shoulders and see how these guys do in the NFL. Why do we have a podcast then? We're here to make predictions.
0: I'm not confident that McKinnon is a better satellite back. I
1: guess this is the last episode of the podcast.
0: I'm telling you that I'm not confident that McKinnon is a better satellite. But I've never been on the McKinnon wagon. That's fine. The point is, I don't even want to talk about McKinnon. Why is
1: there always a wagon? He is the most boring, high athleticism What player. is the wagon? Why the wagon? Why are we always on a wagon? I don't know. I just want to make this one point. I don't want to be on a wagon, man. Wagons are uncomfortable. you ever been on one of these hay rides? Yes, they're terrible. These hay rides are so overrated. Hay rides are more overrated than Zay Jones as an activity. They're so uncomfortable, and those hay wagons do not have suspension. You're sitting on splinter-ridden boards. You're itching because you have straw and hay in your clothes. You would have made an awful pioneer. Yeah, I'm not a pioneer. No, clearly not. No, I would stay home. I would be east coast till I die. If we're 1850, I would be east coast till I die. I would never go west, young man. Oh, you, yeah, you you'd love the cobblestone roads all day. That just that's even better than the wagons through the I don't know what I would do back then. It sounds really inconvenient and uncomfortable to live back then. A lot of ankles
0: rolled. Except, okay. No fantasy football. I'm just trying to make one point here. No rap. That was pre-rap,
1: Nate. What would you do?
0: I don't know. I wouldn't have been able to get through my through my teens, that's for sure. I don't know what I would have done. Probably hunting, made quilts, churned butter. I don't know. What were they doing back then? Blacksmith. Oh, there you go. Creating swords.
1: Amongst other things. Yeah, I would have been a military blacksmith. That's what I would have done. Noble profession. That's right. Gunsmith. Yes, I would have crafted muskets. I could have invented the rifled barrel. That would have been cool if I invented the rifled barrel. Invented the rifle. The musket, yeah. I guess that's the definition of a rifle. The first musket with a rifled barrel, by definition, must have been a rifle. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how we've trailed off to this. Matt Winchester. (laughs) Sounds good, doesn't it? That's a nice ring to it. Matt Winchester. Every about nine episodes, we go historical for a little while.
0: There's been, it always, it always trails off. Look, all right, we'll move on from,
1: okay, we've been talking about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is- We just disagree. It's fine. You would have Dalvin Cook at six. I have Dalvin Cook at eight. I have McNichols and Mac ahead of Dalvin Cook. You disagree because you think Dalvin Cook's more talented and he can rise above- the bleak situation that is the minnesota vikings
0: yes i do and and you know what at this point i'm sure that there's a mike williams fan out there that is screaming that can't believe that we're eight picks in and nobody said mike williams he's in his car just screaming at the steering wheel well here's the best part all right so for the mike williams fan 109 you're gonna love this alvin kamara
1: (laughs) oh sorry mike williams fanatics Going nuts
0: right now. How can he be the seventh pick in the NFL draft and not be in the top nine players that we've
1: named so far? Alvin Kamara went to the Saints. I don't even like Alvin Kamara. I like players on the Saints. That's it. I mean, if you're the satellite back on the Saints, you are going to receive a lot of targets. Now, we talk about trends. Well, while the Carolina Panthers were bottom of the league in targets to running backs, the New Orleans Saints were number one by a wide margin in the league in targets to running backs. Now, that's partly because they've had Reggie Bush there, and Darren Sproles there, and Pierre Thomas there, and Mark Ingram is a highly underrated receiver. Amen. So again, I don't want to confuse cause and effect too much, but if I did glean any factoids from that trend, it's not that Carolina doesn't throw to the running back. It's that there are a lot of targets to go around in New Orleans, and Drew Brees is very smart about dumping it off to the running back when no one's open downfield because he's the best fantasy quarterback of all time, and he knows how to utilize his check down receivers, and that's Alvin Kamara. So I love Alvin Kamara in PPR leagues. We live in a PPR world and Alvin Kamara is a guy I want in dynasty. And when I'm sitting down in a draft room and I'm staring at Mike Williams and I'm staring at Alvin Kamara, I have no choice. I have to take the surefire production in 2017 with upside for the next three years. Alvin Kamara could evolve into the primary back. I know it's a long shot because he was never a primary back in college, but if there's an individual player in the NFL that can make replacement level players walk on water in fantasy football, it's drew Brees.
0: Yeah. And they got Alvin Kamara in a good spot in the NFL draft. Um, You know, he's got the draft capital,
1: third-round pick, 67th pick overall. Oh, now third-rounders have draft capital? So you're creating this arbitrary cutoff point? Okay, third-rounders, you have quote-unquote draft capital. Fifth-rounders, ew, no draft capital whatsoever. What's the number? What's the exact slot where players stop having Nate Liss-approved draft capital? that's not where it is.
0: I think when you talk about draft capital, you have to look at the other players that were on. I love how he's laughing while I'm talking about this seriously. Just so everybody knows, okay? He just he says something seriously then goes off camera and starts cracking up. Anyways, take him behind the curtain. So, I think the point is when I say draft capital, every team has more needs and there's great players on the board. So if you're going to take Alvin Kamara in a situation like this in the third round, you're obviously going to invest to use him. There was other great players on the board in the third round. They put in an Alvin Kamara, just like Minnesota did with Dalvin Cook. They could have shored up other positions, but they decided to go Dalvin Cook because they valued him there. So that's where the opportunity is. But I agree with you. No quarterback can make a receiving running back out of the backfield look more special than Drew Brees can. And it'll be exciting to see how they use Alvin Kamara, even though they've brought in Adrian Peterson now. And I'm confused on how they're going to use Mark Ingram with Adrian Peterson, even though Mark Ingram's been... Mark Ingram's
1: fantasy stock is in free fall. Yeah, I'm free, free falling. I'm Mark Ingram. <laughs> oh, my God. Mark Ingram is in the dreaded touch squeeze.
0: <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, he's, he's certainly trapped. I mean, they're not going to use him as the third down back. And they've brought in Peterson. And I don't think Peterson's got much left in the tank. He is a, a great athlete, but who knows at this point.
1: Touch squeeze for
0: Mark Ingram. So what are they going to do? Is Mark Ingram going to get about 160 carries?
1: Pete's going to get 145. I have Mark Ingram projected to get 14 carries and seven targets this year.
0: <laughs> Is that season total? That's great. Good. I'm glad I picked him with the first running back on my team in our league. I went Alabama, everything.
1: Oh, God. You drafted Mark Ingram in the patron startup? Yes. Yes. I own Mark Ingram. Is it first back? Well, he was, Oh God, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. I think he was
0: sitting there in like round five and I was like, how is Mark Ingram here? He's got the receiving prowess. This is before
1: Peterson. So now, you know, wow. So you drafted him a week before the Peterson signing. Yeah, yeah. Then there's just one dagger after another. You You have two daggers in both sides of your stomach.
0: That, that's what tends to happen when you do rookie startup drafts in April. Got absolutely killed one week after I drafted Mark Ingram. So that's fine. I've gotten over it. Let's move on. Well, the Christian McCaffrey pick in the rookie draft helped to ease your pain. Thank you, God. I I was banking on getting a running back at 103. So uh, t- to be honest with you, I was a little scared uh, initially. I thought the first guy was going to go uh, – well, I guess it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. You went Corey Davis. I got my running back in Christian McCaffrey. I'm happy about that. Auto-lock at 102. I got him at 103. Value. Anyways, let's Value. move on <laughs> to – Finally, to the listener that's wearing the freshly minted Mike Williams San Diego Chargers jersey, fist pumping with his arm out the window, this one's for you at the 1.10
1: Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Here we go. Here we go. We did it. Stepping up to the podium. Mike Williams locked in as my number 10. Can I just say, I don't think he's going to play in year one. That's the problem. I want my rookies to produce in year one, or at least be projected to produce in year one. And I don't see it with Mike Williams. Tyrell Williams broke out last year. So I don't see why anyone believes Mike Williams will suddenly supplant Tyrell Williams in his rookie year. Most rookie players do not start. It's rare. It's not common. So it's a long shot from Mike Williams to supplant Tyrell Williams after Tyrell Williams posted 69 receptions and over a thousand yards. I mean, Tyrell Williams had 620 air yards, that was 26th in the league, and his 439 yards after the catch was 8th in the league. Now, I know that yards after the catch is not as predictive as air yards, but that's impressive to be top 10 in yards after the catch. That shows the ability to break tackles that's Uncommon, a positive 9.8 production premium, positive target premium, his 8.9 yards per target, 21 in the NFL. So he was the most efficient wide receiver on the Chargers last year. He was able to translate exceptional athleticism into on-field production and efficiency. That's all we're asking our wide receivers to do is translate size and athleticism, size-adjusted athleticism, into on-field production. And he did that, at age 24, I mean, what am I missing here? He has a 10:39 catch radius, and now we know he's an efficient football player. You think that Mike Williams is going to supplant that? No. Mike Williams' catch radius is unknown, but because his vertical jump was in the 20th percentile and anecdotally his agility is poor, Mike Williams' catch radius, even at 6'4", 218, with 33 and 3/8 inch arms, is likely average at best. And because he lacks speed and he lacks burst, he can't separate. He is a slightly more explosive version of Laquan Treadwell. I mean, that's what Mike Williams is. And what happened to Laquan Treadwell? How many snaps did he play last year? And he was on a team that didn't have the depth of talent in their wide receiver core like San Diego. So I don't get the fascination with Mike Williams. I never have. I mean, We never thought that he was an elite prospect. In a vacuum, Mike Williams has never been an elite prospect. After Corey Davis, all the wide receivers in this class have been exceptionally flawed prospects. The argument was that Corey Davis was the only first-round prospect in this class, but John Ross was going to go in the first round, Mike Williams was going to go in the first round. Because the NFL always drafts at least three wide receivers in the first round, even if two of them don't deserve to go there. So Mike Williams was overdrafted to a team that doesn't need wide receivers. And you're telling me I need to pick that guy in my top five in Dynasty rookie drafts? Get the hell out of here. Uh, that's a good take
0: right there. Um, I have my theory on this, and we talked a little bit before the show started, Um I think that the Mike Williams pick at seven is more indicative about something to do with Keenan Allen than it necessarily is with him being the best player available on that draft board. We talked about it before. You had defensive backs
1: available. Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Hooker, and at linebacker, Hassan Reddick. All three of those players, far superior prospects in a vacuum to Mike Williams. And here's how you know they're superior prospects because you just run the value proposition in your head. If you draft Mike Williams, what defensive backs, what linebackers are available in the second, third, and fourth rounds? If you draft Baltimore, what wide receivers are available in rounds 2, 3, and 4? When you think about it like that, when you think about it in terms of opportunity cost and value over replacement, you realize, "Oh, wait a second. They minimized the talent profile of They're drafted prospects by drafting Mike Williams in the first instead of Marshawn Lattimore. Now, the argument is, oh, you should have taken Malik Hooker because there's more of a need at safety. They ended up drafting two safeties later in the draft. And that illustrates my point perfectly. If you draft Malik Hooker instead of Mike Williams, you don't have to burn two mid-round picks on safeties. You can take Taiwan Taylor in the middle of the draft, and you'll have one of the best safety prospects we've seen in quite a while. That's the move. That's how you maximize the value of your draft class if you're the San Diego Chargers. It's not to overdraft Mike Williams at a position you don't need. Other than running back, the last position they needed, wide receiver? They've got Keenan Allen, assuming he's healthy. They've got Tyrell Williams, as I mentioned. Also, Dontrell Inman impressed last year as a starter, and they have Travis Benjamin as their field stretcher. They've got the wide receiver position covered. If you're working to draft solely based on need and go Malay Cooker, then they should have gone Marshawn Lattimore because he was the best prospect available. Marshawn Lattimore, arguably the second best prospect in this class after Miles Garrett. Marshawn Lattimore is the Miles Garrett of the cornerback position. Marshawn Lattimore runs a 4 3 6. 108.3 height adjusted speed score, 131.5 87th percentile burst. This is where Miles Garrett checked in when you're looking at the percentile ranks across the cornerback position. It mirrors where Miles Garrett checked in with the percentile ranks across the edge rusher position. And Marshawn Lattimore exceeded 40 tackles, and he had four interceptions last year. And most telling about Marshawn Lattimore is he supplanted Gary and Conley, who was also. One of the most productive and athletic cornerbacks in this class. In his final year, he relegated the incumbent, Gary and Conley, to number two cornerback duties. Why? Because Marshawn Lattimore is the truth. That was the move. And if you say, our secondary's covered, we don't need secondary help, then take Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick at outside linebacker or weak side linebacker will terrorize quarterbacks and receivers in the secondary when you ask him to drop back into pass coverage he was arguably the most versatile defender in this class after Jabril Peppers what I would have done if I'm the San Diego Chargers I draft Marshawn Lattimore I post him up as our number one cornerback and I play Casey Hayward because he's 5'11 and he lacks speed and burst as my slot corner and then we have a secondary that can rival the Denver Broncos secondary that's how you win the draft if you're the San Diego Chargers, by drafting Marshawn Lattimore, not Mike Williams. I think that Mike Williams' pick was the worst pick by an NFL general manager since Jeff Ireland selected Deion Jordan. I think that it says
0: more about what's going on with Keenan Allen, like I was trying to say. He's had injuries the past two seasons. What I personally would have done, same thing you're saying, go get that top-tier elite defender, Come back in the second round and grab a guy like Juju Smith or something to that nature. It would have been a perfect fit for your team. You would have gotten a surefire hit in the first round. Maybe a gamble with Juju
1: in the second, but I can live with that. That's a great point. Think about the difference between Mike Williams and Juju. It's almost negligible. The difference between Marshawn Lattimore and Malik Hooker and the safeties and cornerbacks that were available in the second round is a chasm. Do you think the listeners will realize that we only gave them a top 10 instead of a top 12? Do you think they're savvy enough to realize that?
0: Uh, I don't think so, considering that I lost count at 103 and skipped to 104, I'm I'm sure they're not going to have any idea that we didn't get to 12.
1: Do you think there are listeners at home that were writing it down and going, hey, wait a second. They only got to 10. I want my money back. They said they were going to give me a top 12. I'm dying to know who's 11 and 12. Please tell me. Oh, well, just gotta shrug our shoulders and see how these guys do in the NFL. Why do we have a podcast then? You claimed to not want to get into the whole foreman discussion earlier. You're such a fraud. No, 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 to play a character that you think i want you to play i don't want you doing that never do that that was obvious that you were acting there and throwing in a cliche for effect never do that the listeners of this show deserve better when you give us cliches it needs to come from the heart the most important thing that we do on this show is maintain our authenticity the moment you're inauthentic we're done just be yourself that's what's really cool that's what people want they don't want Nate Liss trying to play Nate Liss on the radio that's not it F-A-K-E B-E-L-L C-O-W fake bell cow
0: this episode has gone off the rails already and we're like 15 minutes in man I've got Dalvin way up there above that why they can't block what do you mean they can't block? It doesn't I realize that the situation there, offensive line wise, isn't fantastic, but I'm not gonna say that he can't be successful behind it. I mean Yeah, but it's a lot easier for Mac and McNichols to be successful. Are we drafting based on the talent and the round that he was drafted or the situation? I don't think he's that talented. But the film, dude, nobody can deny it. I don't I can't explain it. Nobody can explain it.
1: I don't think he's that talented. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay, we'll argue about this. Godwin went to a dream situation. He's the number three receiver with an epic quarterback, and Deshaun Jackson is only a rental. So how many how many targets are we saying that he's gonna have on a year to year basis? As a rookie, I don't know. This isn't redraft. That's a redraft conversation. I think it's bananas.
0: Oh my goodness gracious.
1: I don't think Zay can play. I think he's an East Carolina gimmick guy that can't play football at the next level. I don't think he knows how to run routes. I think it was a total bust pick. I think that Walt Powell outproduced Zay Jones.
0: Oh, my goodness gracious.
1: All the scouts mailed it in. They didn't even bring their clipboards to pro days. They were just winging it with Zay Jones. They were just looking at the counting stats and go, oh, I guess he's a good player. I don't know. We don't have any scouts. We have no one evaluating players. We'll just take Zay Jones. He was the leader in yards. Oh, my
0: goodness gracious.
1: He's a compiler. Yeah, and he played mostly out of the slot.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Zay Jones can do a lot of stuff. I don't have the energy to have this debate again.
1: Zay Jones can do a lot of stuff. That's shocking that he wouldn't tell you where he thought he was going. Random dude on Twitter with a cartoon
0: avatar. The, the question was how much interest he garnered from Seattle when they came to visit, because I know that there was a lot of guys at Michigan that they wanted. That was a
1: terrible story. Sorry, man. If I can think of, in the next few days, a less impressive story that I've ever heard, I will let you know. Just to balance out your really awful storytelling, I have the worst joke ever. A store with a drive through window where you can only buy nickels. So it's like fast food, but for nickels. What do you think the name of it's called? God, I don't know. McNichols. It's a great entrepreneurial idea. By the way, who's Rodney Adams? That name shocked me when I saw it on the draft board. Well, he never
0: got back to me with the information that I asked him for, but he, he did say that
1: he would be excited to play for the Seahawks if that's where he ended up. I have Mark Ingram projected to get 14 carries and 7 targets this year.
0: Yeah, that that's, I don't know. Yes and no. We'll see. We'll see. You know, it's top 12. There was a lot of guys that
1: went in this draft. I think that Mike Williams' pick was the worst pick by an NFL general manager since Jeff Ireland selected Deion Jordan.
0: Yeah, that that's I don't know. Yes and no. We'll see. We'll see. Top, you know, it's top twelve. There was a lot of guys that went in this draft. Yeah, that that's I don't know. Yes and no. We'll see. We'll see. Top, you know, it's top twelve. There was a lot of guys that went in this draft. There was a lot of guys that went in this draft. There was a lot of guys that went in this draft. There was a lot of guys that went in this draft.
1: You're in a dream right now. Do you understand that? You're not in reality. This is an inception dreamscape that you are a part of at this very moment. You need to wake up, Nate. Wake up. Wake up! When
0: you went down through your list and you were naming the corners, instead of saying Jason Verrett, you said Jason Garrett. So you might want to just say uh, Jason Verrett so you can so you can cut it back and punch it in.
1: Did I say Jason Garrett instead of Verrett? That would be a hole in the secondary right there if they had Jason Garrett out there. When Lamar Miller isn't good, we tell you he isn't good a year before anyone knows he isn't good! Oh,
0: my goodness gracious. I'm up in the air. Oh,
1: it's a 360 windmill slam! Corey Davis 101. (laughs) (laughs) That <laughs> <laughs> tickles, dude. That tickles. Oh,
0: my goodness gracious.
1: Nothing in this world is less accurate than a Mel Kuyper mock draft. A Rick and Kiel fastball is more accurate oh my God. than a Mel Kuyper mock draft. I like Todd McShay. I like Todd McShay. I like Todd McShay. What's depressing is the existence of these parasites that add no value to society called the NFL Draft Insider. It's over, it's over, it's over, RIP linebacker. But I've got years of of
0: rap in my background. I was, I was a rapper. I'm not gonna kick a freestyle right now. Bust Bust a freestyle right now. I was a rapper, bust a freestyle right now. I was a rapper, bust a freestyle right now. Your mic presence, as it's referred to in the industry. Look, I'm not going to freestyle live. The problem for Cam Newton
1: was that his satellite back, a guy named Fozzie. Uh, And that was an amen, brother. I always say Gettleman going to Gettleman, because that's what he does. He is the best in the NFL at drafting redundant assets that can't help you. Because why? Because Dave Gettleman. Because Gettleman going to Gettleman. What's the number? What's the exact slot where players stop having Nate Liss approve draft capital? That was a rapper.